and welcome back to the Weird Biology Show podcast. I'm Sean, your favorite lifeguard. Don't let me catch you running by the pool. And I'm Dan, your scion of Suntown. Ooh, that's a good title. <laughs> I do what I can. So this week is our spiritually Shark Week episode. We we meant to record this in, you know, jet, July, I was going to say January, in July when Shark Week was actually happening. But, uh, you know, you were in the move, so we had to kind of push it off. Yeah, and... I had to do my illustrious <laughs> traveling to the far off countries of Maine and Colorado. Yeah, so, it, you know, should happen. But, um... Here we are, and we're doing our Shark Week episode. So, today's paper is called Sun Tanning in Hammerhead Sharks. Uh, it's by by Lowe and Goodman Lowe. It was published in Nature in 1996. So, yeah, uh, this the, this is actually a married couple who uh, has their own, like, had their own research facility out in Hawaii, and they were studying juvenile hammerhead sharks that they kept in a little pond believe it or not yeah uh believe it or not uh they met in college uh goodman low and low uh they had chemistry together but well, i assume they immediately bonded over <laughs> baby sharks yeah yeah um so before we get into that we do have a listener question Oh, right. This is where we get another listener question <laughs> i look like a fool and have no idea what the answer is I'm all ready. right so, Marco asks, how do cephalopods inject their venom? Specifically, we're talking like the blue-ringed octopus. How does it inject its venom? What is the mechanism behind it? Hmm. You know what, Sean? I have absolutely no idea. So, I'm going to say that they're secretly vampires. I'm not sorry. <laughs> so, I had no idea either, to be honest. Um, I had to look it up. I did, well, like, I knew the, the blue-ringed octopus was venomous. Um, but they do have, like, this tiny little poison gland in their head, or I guess venom gland. I don't know. I'm not a toxologist, toxicologist. Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> when they bite with their beak, they actually have salivary glands. Had no idea that uh, octopuses could salivate, but, yeah, that's that's how the toxin actually gets into their prey's body. So they're salivating at the thought of poisoning the shit out of their <laughs> Yeah, and we're, we're talking about, like, a tiny octopus that could literally fit in the palm of your hand. Uh, and it has more than enough venom to kill you with the tiniest little bite. Ooh, good listener question. <laughs> Thanks, Marco. Thank you, Marco. So this experiment that we're talking about, sun tanning and hammerhead sharks, they had three separate test groups. I mean, as you can imagine, Goodman Lowe actually noticed one day that the sharks looked quite a bit darker than when they had initially put them into their pond. Uh, on, on their premises, they have like this one meter deep, so three feet deep, like coral rubble bottom little pond <laughs> on 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 the location at their lab, and the so sharks keeping sharks in like a tiny little pond. Yeah, yeah, we're we're talking sharks that are like the size of your forearm. They're they're not particularly big. Um, that, how does that work though? Like I would think that you know being sharks they would need more space than a tiny little pond even if so, they're not very big and when i say tiny i mean it's it's still pretty big it's so they they don't actually say how large their uh pond is but just going off of the pictures that are present in the magazine nature um it's probably about 25 meters long if i had to guess that's not bad Training sharks to be Olympic swimmers in your backyard. <laughs> right, basically. So is this published in the, the magazine Nature, like the, the science paper Nature? So Nature owns 
the journal nature, but also, I guess, like a scientific communication periodical. So like it, it is like a magazine and it, it, the way it is published is like a periodical as opposed oh, to okay. like a, a journal. So Dr. Goodman Lowe, she notices that the sharks look quite a bit more tan than, than when they originally put them in. So it's kind of her idea to like, hey, what if we put little filters on their fins just to see if like exposure to the sun is what's causing them to change color. So they create three test groups. They have one that is the control, so it's got no filter on it whatsoever. They've got a UV-specific filter that they put on, on the shark's pectoral fins. So that's like if their, their fins were their arm fins, those those are the pectoral fins. And then the uh, I should note that the ultraviolet filter actually specifically filters out uh, wavelengths up to 390 nanometers. That's your, you know, your ultraviolet lights. And then lastly, they have opaque filters. So these are just kind of like solid colored plastic that they attach to them that uh, no visible light could go through. So everything is being filtered out. So what I've gathered is they're trying to give sharks reverse farmer's tan, but for science. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. I mean, they're, they're trying to give these, uh, these sharks some really bad tan lines. All right, I'm about it. <laughs> So uh, the the pond itself was about a meter deep. So we're talking three foot deep seawater pond uh, with this kind of coral and sand rubble bottoms uh, like substrate. Uh, and they were they were captured from the wild and they were left in this pond for about 21 days. Now, the thing about this pond versus their natural habitat of like this this bay in Hawaii that they specifically lived in is that the intensity of sunlight is about 600 times higher in this pond than in their native habitat. They they typically live about 15 meters deep, which is about 50 feet to 60 feet in like a pretty murky kind of bay, uh, like pretty deep low, you know, <laughs> down mm-hmm. at the 50 feet level. Uh, so not too much, uh, not too much sun exposure going on there right right so uh most of the visual light spectrum is actually filtered out at that depth so we're, we're talking like all the reds oranges uh and yellow wavelengths can't even really make it down that far so the only things you're really left with that deep are your greens your blues indigos and your your, your violets right, so in their natural habitat pretty difficult for the sharks to get their gtl on yeah i mean how are you going to huh? gym tan laundry I don't know, but I kind of hate myself for making a Jersey Shore reference right now. It's okay. We're only 15 years too late on that reference. Uh, it's still not, still too soon. <laughs> so after 21 days, they took a five millimeter skin sample from uh, just under the filter of each shark. And for the control sharks, they just, you know, probably grabbed it off the pectoral fin. Additionally, some other sharks were left in the pond for another 215 days. And what we noticed, we, like I'm there. <laughs> you participated in this <laughs> I, Yeah, I participated. Dan, cover your ears. <laughs> Doctors Lowe and Goodman Lowe, please hire me. I will leave Dan so fast. That's really brief. <laughs> Dan, you were supposed to earmuff. I'm already... <laughs> I'm hurt, Sean. So, you're hurt. I apologize for hurting you. It's okay, I forgive you. Thank you. So, what they did actually notice is uh, take a guess dan what, what do you think the difference in color of these sharks is or, or the melanin levels in, in these sharks would be after uh, after 21 days we're talking we're gonna guess let's uh let's guess 20 percent 
you're actually pretty close. It, it was about 18% between the control and the fil- both filtered uh, sharks. Oh, that's really interesting. I wonder... I mean, I'm sure that... I believe this was like a shorter paper, right? This is a very short paper, yeah. So, I mean, we can, we can uh, you know, talk about this in a few minutes after we get through the actual some of the stuff. But I wonder why that is. But you know, continue on. I'll make that point. So, at that point in time, the, the 18% difference wasn't significant enough. Like, you know, it didn't meet the, the, the p-value they needed to call it a, a significant difference. So, uh, additionally... mistake, they didn't p-hack <laughs> So, what they did is like, well, let's just leave them in the pond for a bit longer. So, they left them in there for almost a year. So, 215 days later, they come back and they test uh, the melanin levels again in the shark pups. And they find that it's 28% higher than uh, the levels they saw at the uh, start of the experiment. Uh, and you, you can see the side-by-side pictures if you look up this this article. We're talking night and day in these sharks. The, uh, the suntan sharks are like this deep, dark brown, and the uh, untanned sharks are like kind of this little um, like light whitish tan. The, the difference between the controlled and the uh, filtered sharks' melanin levels was actually a lot higher. It was, it was almost 30%. It was at 28% higher than the levels they had seen at the start of the experiment. That's interesting. So, but what I say is, like, I don't know, did they comment any more about these findings, or is it kind of just, hey, we found that sharks can tan, and that's weird. So uh, they do kind of go, like, a little step further. It's like, yes, we know that sharks can tan, but now it's kind of like, well, what's the benefit of sharks tanning? And one thought process is like, well, they live down at, you know, relatively deep depths murky and they're still in their juvenile stage so maybe it just benefits them when they're at the Mm. bottom they're not being picked off by predators from above but i guess the question at that point is like how do they get to that darker shade because they had they commented in the paper and you had said earlier that right that that depth the the uv i guess we'll say uv radiation the light waves that would be responsible for that tanning they were being filtered out because of the depth of the water and the murk, right? Well, so no, UV light is able to get to that depth. Okay, so... The, the wavelengths so just, of orange, red, and yellow aren't. Okay, so visible light, the visible light of orange, red, yellow was blocked, but the UV light was Correct. Wasn't. So, yeah, okay. the, the, you know, the... They're still being... the You know, their circadian rhythm and melanin production is still being uh, stimulated at that depth because... UV radiation is able to penetrate that deep. Interesting. Okay. Because that's what I was going to ask before, because I, I thought you had said that even like UV light was being blocked. So I was like, what would be the, you know, evolutionary pressure that would lead to uh, sharks being able <laughs> right. to tan if, you know, the UV radiation doesn't reach their habitat? But I guess that point is kind of non-existent because it does and i was mistaken right 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 so so what was being filtered out during the experiment was that the um the filters that they attached to the test sharks filtered out uv radiation and filtered out all visible light so they had two separate ones um and and those ones underneath the uh underneath the filter they did not tan mm-hmm. and the control sharks did tan um but we are talking at like really high light levels in, in comparison to uh, to their natural habitat, six hundred times higher. 
Yeah, so that may, uh, well, I guess that still kind of makes me question, you know, what, what was the evolutionary pressure behind, you know, selection for this trait? Obviously, at some point, it's something. Right. So, so. Uh, another thing they kind of thought was like, well, we know melanin in humans protects against skin cancers, melanoma, etc., or, you know, can can kind of give resistance to your your uh i don't know is your subcutaneous dna like it's protecting your skin cells from uv Mm -hmm. radiation up to an extent like people with melanin can still burn and should wear sunscreen but they have psa wear your sunscreen kids yeah don't get skin cancer i will i will go into a, a whole bit at the end of that because guess what this week had a skin cancer scare went to see a dermatologist (laughs) <laughs> so wear your sunscreen wear your sunscreen please but. so the the biomedical side of things was actually kind of spurred on by this it's like well maybe there's a reason why sharks don't get cancer by the way sharks do get cancer <laughs> this is uh unfortunately a uh misinformation thing that kind of spurred out of this idea we've known that sharks get cancer since 1908 now, is, May- there, is there any, like, basis to that or truth to that? Like, do they have a higher... You're the resident marine biology expert. Do they have, like, a a higher resistance to the spontaneous mutations that might cause cancer or something? Or is it just a load of crap, really, so, that somebody made up? In their cartilage, from what I understand, I, I've read through a few papers on this, it seems like there's some anti-cancer compounds that may naturally occur in their cartilage. Is that true? I I don't personally know, but that's kind of the mythos behind sharks. And unfortunately, when when people hear that, they they think, oh, sharks can't get cancer. And it's like, well, actually, we do know sharks get quite a few different types of cancer. We don't know that they get skin cancer. And to this day, we still don't have the evidence that sharks necessarily get skin cancer. This kind of targeted sharks as a potential cancer cure, unfortunately. Yeah. Because, you know, I would never possibly believe that somebody had some bizarre ideas about curing a disease. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, d- despite all this misinformation that's out there, sharks do actually get cancer. Mm-hmm. And even if shark cartilage could cure cancer, I-, I don't know if the methods I'm about to talk about would be justified in any way, shape, or form. I honestly just think it it it, it, it can't. It, we, we know for a fact it can't now, but there will be your snake oil salesman out there that will still try to sell you this, unfortunately. Uh, It's just going to end up justifying killing more sharks and putting people under potentially dangerous pseudo-medicine treatments. Like, it's it's not worth it. So some of these lies can be traced back to uh, Dr. I. Williams and Linda Comack. They wrote a book in 1992, which was literally called Sharks Don't Get Cancer. (laughs) Ah, yes. I wonder how people could possibly get the idea that sharks can't get cancer from that. And the thing about this book is, he says in the books, well, sharks get cancer sometimes. I know I named the title of the book, Sharks Don't Get Cancer. Sharks, you know, they get cancer sometimes. But, you know, I think they're... I think their cartilage can save us all. So just out of curiosity, what were the qualifications of these people to write this book about shark cancer? So I, I, I don't know what Dr. Williams, uh, Dr. Williams Lane's background is. Apparently, he heard about a story about how shark cartilage and the blood flow within it prevents tumors from forming. 
So he decided to take it upon himself to write this book and not to go too in-depth because maybe this is an episode of the podcast on its own. He flew down to Cuba and kind of started doing experiments on people by injecting them with shark cartilage to see if he could cure their cancer. That sounds horrifying. <laughs> That's how you get like street sharks if anybody is old <laughs> enough like me to remember that cartoon. Yeah, so I I don't want to get too, too far into it. Like, he pushed some really bad pseudoscience, and then he wrote a follow-up book to his original book a few years later called Sharks Still Don't Get Cancer. And again, in his original book, he literally says sharks get cancer. Um, But here we are. Uh, You know, he's probably just selling shark cartilage pills, which are an actual thing you could buy, and I do not recommend you buy. <laughs> Just, guys, let me go into a PSA. This, th- The rest of the episode is going to be a PSA. Oh, I, will, I will tell you what every, de- every dermatologist will tell you. You should not actively go out tanning. You should not lay in a tanning bed. You should not go out seeking a tan. They are awful for you. Uh, You're exposing yourself to actual radiation. You are damaging your cells and your DNA. It's insane how bad tanning is for you. So let me read you some stats real quick. People who tan are 83% more likely to develop squamous cell carcinoma and 20% more likely to develop basal cell carcinoma. Bad. Really bad. Don't... Do not, you don't want carcinomas. Those are, you know, they're literally skin cancer. I mean, that, that's what it means. Additionally, people that have a history of using tanning beds are 69% more likely to develop basal cell carcinoma uh, before the age of 40 than those who do not use tanning beds. I, and I'm, I'm not trying to scare you or anything, uh, but people who have had five or more sunburns in their lifetime are two times as likely to develop melanoma than those who have not been sunburned. So, like, my <laughs> my my likelihood of getting skin cancer are very high. I have had so many sunburns, so many sun poisonings in my life, and, like, I'm a marine biologist. When I was out doing field work and stuff, I wore a full-body wetsuit. I applied uh, a suntan lotion religiously, religiously, because... I've been sun poisoned so many times in my life. And if you've never experienced that, I do not wish it on you. It is so goddamn painful. (laughs) Same, except I'm not a marine biologist. I'm just an idiot. Right. We're both kind of idiots. So those statistics are from skincare.org. They, they do, they pulled all their information from the, uh, American Cancer Society. So you can, you could literally go check that out if that's, if that behooves you, or I guess it would behoove you to check out. That's what I'm trying to say. So wear your sunscreen listeners. And we've taken kind of a left turn from sharks. (laughs) Very much so. Uh, You know, all their sources are peer reviewed alongside the, the claims. So please check that out. Wear your sunscreen. If you plan to go out in the sun, (laughs) this is uh, unfortunately one of those papers where, it's a fun, quirky topic that unfortunately led to, I don't know, exploitative people trying to peddle cancer cures, uh, unfortunately. So uh, there's some really great cross-sections anyway uh, that I really recommend people check out in, in the photos uh, of the paper. 
that show so, how the melanin actually expands under the skin. So it's only like in this paper, it's only more like discussion of like you know what what they could do further with this, uh, or you know any. Uh, one of the things I would have liked to, you know, that I, or not that I would have liked to see, because <laughs> I imagine this would be quite difficult, but that I've wondered about is, you know, does this persist in sharks that aren't juveniles anymore? Is this, you know, something that works or continues to work throughout their lifetime? I mean, you know, knowing what I do about, although I guess it's not really comparable because mammals and sharks aren't mammals, obviously, but knowing what I know about the human body and how it works, it would make sense that this is something that persists in the adulthood. But I just, I wonder because sharks aren't mammals. And from the little blurb they had at the end, most of the animals that we know of right now that actually tan are mammals, so... I just kind of wonder, is this something that is you know, specific to the juvenile sharks they're testing? But I guess it's a little bit hard to have full-grown hammerhead sharks right. <laughs> running around in your backyard. Right. Um, so the the paper only touches on the juveniles. But I, I've had a look at some of the other papers out there about sea life that tans. And there are other species of fishes that, that do tan. So it it, it seems like... If anything, it is just an evolved method for limiting skin damage from from UV radiation, if I had to guess. Like, I didn't even know sharks had melanin prior to this. I was like, oh, maybe they have some other compound that occurs in them. Because why why would anybody just assume that, like, oh, yes, of course, this ancient fish would have the same, you know, compounds occur in their body when exposed to the sun. Like, and so I guess I usually associate sharks with like a lighter color. So I, that's kind of interesting. So sharks have this kind of, you know, light colored stomach and dark back. Um, it's called counter shading. It's kind of a method that prevents them from being predated from below because their stomach is light colored. And when, you know, you're looking up toward the surface where the sun is like, yeah, the, the light is probably blinding you and like, you're less likely to see something with a white stomach and the reverse is true for their back. So when you're looking down on a shark from above, it's against a dark background. So it's a lot harder to see a shark. So they have this sharks have counter shading and it, it, it's probably partly melanin driven I would be curious. I mean, you can't force a shark to swim upside down, but I bet you if you had a shark swim upside down, its white belly would probably <laughs> would probably darken. So I, I have to imagine that it, it must persist into uh, adulthood because sharks do have a, you know, a, a colored dorsal side, essentially. That's fair. I mean, I guess that's true. I just think about it, it's a fun concept i don't really have too many critiques of the paper because mm. it's it's hard to critique a paper this year it's more of a i guess a whimsical idea than yeah yeah, yeah. Else. my only real critique is they didn't call it jersey sharks i know well i mean it was hawaii so you can't really blame them <laughs> i mean the people <laughs> on jersey shore one from new jersey either but I, i'm not yeah. gonna stand on that <laughs> you know, so you're, far, you're so. not wrong you know i just i just imagine these tan sharks like strolling up on the beach stealing your girl Looking so goddamn tan and beautiful, which is, you know, counterintuitive to everything I just told you about wearing your sunscreen <laughs> and not tanning. Sean, you're sending conflicting messages. <laughs> uh, guys, guys, I want to say firmly, you should wear sunscreen and anything I say about sharks being attractive because they're tan is just a joke. That's it. Joke's out of the room. 
Well, Sean, as much as I enjoyed talking about the beautiful tan sharks, <laughs> looks like we're out of time for today's episode. So I'm going to throw it back to you real quick for this week's featured creature. Thank you, Dan. So what do you know about shark skin? Because we're going to keep this. We're going to keep the featured creature shark themed as well. I'm keep it because it may not be shark week anymore, but it's always shark. It's week shark in week in hearts. my heart. It's shark, it's shark week in our heart. I don't know anything about shark skin other than. How, rock, how would you describe is... the, the texture of sharks? Like you, you've probably touched a shark at like the aquarium or I, something. I did when I was like a wee lad. Mm-hmm. So I you, don't remember it too well, so you, but it, I remember it being You might kind remember of that it kind of feels like sandpaper. Um, there's a really great discussion on wild green memes for ecological fiends that sharks are smooth in every direction because of an old, uh, web comic that's like, oh no, I'm being eaten by smooth lions. And it's like, nope, sharks are smooth in every direction. And any marine biologist that says otherwise is a liar and they're paid by rough shark, big rough shark. Uh, so yes, sharks, sharks are rough in every direction, especially if you're petting them from back to front. Uh, and the reason being is that sharks have what are called dermal denticles. So if you, if any of the listeners out there go and read these, uh, this paper, you'll see the term dermal denticles. Dan, what do you think dermal denticles are? I'm going to be real with you. I have no idea because when you said that, I heard dermal tentacles and I was slightly <laughs> terrified. They are skin teeth. Shark skin is made <laughs> out of tiny teeth. Ooh. But don't worry. I promise you it gets better, because today's featured creature is the whale shark, which is Reinkenden typus. They are the largest shark in the world, and the largest individual that they've ever discovered was about 20.75 meters, which is roughly 68 feet, so absolutely massive. Ooh. And despite being a shark, it lives on a strict diet of planktonic organisms, so it's really just eating plankton that are just floating around in the water, and they just swim along the surface during the day and gulp them on up. So really lovely thing I like that I, that I learned when I was out in Indonesia is that their uh, name in Indonesia is bintang. Well, it, it has bintang in it, um, which is the Indonesian word for star. Um, so they're just, they're called starry sharks. I think that's a really, really <laughs> lovely little name. Uh, and it's much better than the name whale shark, in my opinion. They should just be I, called starry sharks. So in June 2020, so just, just last year, we discovered that whale sharks have armored eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> what? So those dermal denticles I told you about, those very same tiny little teeth that are make up shark skin can be found on the eyeballs of whale sharks. Whale sharks have have teeth eyes and teeth skin. You sure you're talking about a real animal and not something out of a B-side horror flick, right? Yeah, yeah, real animal. And they're also currently the only shark that we know that can retract their eyeballs into their skull. <laughs> but, <laughs> they're very weird and i love it so maybe the fact that they can retract their eyeballs into their skull makes sense why they have you know eyeball teeth like maybe it helps protect their eyes since they don't have like proper eyelids they don't blink really maybe it's just better for when they invade your nightmares yeah i mean they're very adorable so if they invade your nightmares it's it's for the good. Unless you're, like, getting all up on them with a microscope and looking at their eyeballs. I think we have a different ideas <laughs> of the definition of the word adorable. They're Sean. adorable. They're adorable. 60-foot adorable monsters. So so maybe someday we'll, we'll actually just do an episode on that paper. Who knows? Um, there's a really uh, cool group of researchers out of Japan. Uh, it's Tomita et al., and it's called Armored Eyes of Whale Sharks. It's published in Plus One uh, in June 2020. 
So check it out. As always, thank you for joining us. Our theme song is by my younger brother, Jesse Ricca. You can find him on Instagram at Jesse Ricca, J-E-S-S-E-R-Y-K-A. If you'd like to follow us on social medias, you can find us on all social medias at Weird Bio Show. Additionally, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash weirdbioshow, and you can send us a tiny little donation. We need some coffee. You know, we're dealing with a lot right now. Moves That's just like everyone else. And, you know, <laughs> as as always, you know, if you have a question for us about something you heard on one of our episodes, an idea you'd like to share with us for a future episode, or if you'd like to submit a listener question yourself, please don't hesitate to contact us or reach out on any of our forms of social media. Yeah, please do. And our email is weirdbiologyshow at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed our episode, our Shark Week episode. Maybe we'll do another one next year. Until then, join us next time to see more weird shit. Bye. Bye.